When I was uh, 11 years old, I wanted to be a superhero. So if anybody else has wanted to be a superhero. So I said to my mum, I need you to make me a denim mask so that um, I can go on my bike and cycle around and I can go and fight injustice. So I had this um, uh, red kind of chopper bike and uh, my goal was to cycle around the park and find injustice and step in and uh, break up <laughs> fights and do stuff. So I was on my bike on my very, very first mission and uh, these three girls who I think were in the same year as me said, who are you in the mask? And I knew that you do not give your secret identity away. <laughs> Rule number one, if you're getting into seeing a superhero, don't let people know who you are. But what they did is they grabbed me off my bike <laughs> and they t- took off my mask and said, ah, oh, that's Jamie. And then went away and then on the Monday mocked me oh. and said, oh, that, that, yeah, you, were the, you were the one in the mask. But there's this desire to be uh, a superhero. And I think when you read the Apostle Paul and how he describes himself, particularly, say, in Philippians chapter 4, and how he describes his capacity to be content, you think, wow, you sound like a superhero, Paul. He's pretty much saying, you know what? I can be content in every every situation. Hmm. He says, you know what? I can be content if I've got a million pounds. And I can be content if I've got nothing. And then he says, I can be content if everybody loves me and I'm successful everywhere I go. And I can be content if no one loves me. He says, I can be content if people think I'm great and I can be content if people don't think I'm great. I can be content in everything I do, in everything I face. And he says pretty much, nothing can make me respond negatively. He says, I'm never a victim of delay, and I'm not a victim of success. So if you look in Philippians 4, you can, you can read that in four, chapter 4 and verse 10. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, but now at length you've received, revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned, I have learned in whatever situation I am I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every situation or circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So I want to propose, I've done this talk before, but I've been working on it again because I just think there's such a powerhouse in the whole thing of contentment. I want us to see contentment is like a superhero gift for 2018. That contentment gives us the capacity to be persistent, resistant, and consistent. That contentment is a superpower. That the capacity to face life like the Apostle Paul faced life is not just that he was an extraordinary man, and he was, one of the clearest thinkers on the Gospel, had huge impact, great thinker, great mind, but that we can actually be like the apostle in this whole area of contentment. Mm. That if contentment is like a superpower, you and I can have that kind of contentment 
in 2018. Amen. I mean, how many of us would love that? You know, I can, I can, I can handle a lot, and I can handle little. I can handle great feedback, and I can handle criticism. I can handle progress and development, and I can handle delay. I can go into the unplanned place wow. and the unplanned pace, and it doesn't disturb me. Mm. I can do all things through God who strengthens me. Yes. So yes. we're just going to look at a few of the things that um, Paul learned, because he says, he says, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. He says, I have learned. So lesson one is Paul learned a secret, and that's why I'm saying you and I can have it too. Because Paul isn't saying, I, I'm content in any and every situation just because I had a really content personality. Mm. He doesn't say, I can do all that because really I was brought up as a content person, you know. I am a content person naturally. Or he doesn't say, there was a day I got zapped by the gift of contentment. Sorry. Maybe it's Paul ringing. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us your secret, Paul. <laughs> He doesn't say, there was a day I got zapped with the gift of contentment. You know, I think that if we could say, right, come forward if you lack contentment, come forward if you want to be like the Apostle Paul, we'd all be cramming and saying, I'm coming forward, please somebody pray for me, I want to be zapped into contentment, please zap me into the promised land of being content. But Paul says, no, I learned the secret. Mm. So it wasn't his personality... And it wasn't his natural disposition, and it wasn't something he got supernaturally zapped into. He says, in effect, I went to God's school of contentment, and I learned the secret of how to be content in every and any and all situations. That gives me great hope, I don't know about you, because I think, wow, I can learn that too, that I can be content like this, that God can make me content like this, that the gospel the good news, that can work for us in this area too. So he says, I learned the secret. I went to God's school. Or as Martin Lloyd-Jones, when he's describing um, Hebrews 12, says, God's gymnasium. <laughs> God takes us his, to his gymnasium. And right now, the gyms are absolutely packed. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's January. I'll be going back to the gym tomorrow. And it will be packed. People will have got gym memberships for Christmas. Others would have signed up to gym memberships in desperation. It, it, will, be busy. it will be busy for the first two weeks in January. <laughs> and then in February it will go back to normal again. But, so Paul says, I was taken to God's gymnasium. I was taken to a place where God was going to grow me and stretch me and develop my muscles of contentment. <coughs> So, if we want contentment, we need to say, I want to enrol in your school, God, and I want to go to your gymnasium. I want this, I want to be content in everything. I want to be in a posture where nothing can make me respond negatively, that I wouldn't be a victim of delay, and I wouldn't be a victim of success. Who wants to go to that gymnasium? Yeah. Kind of like signing a blank piece of paper, and <laughs> now we're going to fill in the blanks, okay? So he says, I learnt contentment. Sometimes God's school and sometimes God's gymnasium <coughs> means going through difficult things. Yes. That Paul would say, do you know how I learned contentment? Um, I got chucked in prison. I learned contentment in the gymnasium where sometimes I was beaten. <laughs> 
I learned contentment in open seas when I was shipwrecked. I learned contentment when I was progressing with the gospel and we were successful and we were moving forward. And I learned contentment when I was falsely accused and thrown in jail and unable to move forward and go to the places I wanted to go. He would say, I learned contentment when I (coughs) endured the pressure of all the churches and all the needs and all the things that were going on. He would say, I learned contentment in God's school. And sometimes the way that I learned contentment was through difficulty and challenge and hardship. Now sometimes we can can get caught up with wondering, what's the source of the difficulties I'm facing? We can get caught up with with questions like, is it the enemy or is it not the enemy? Is it me? And I think some of the stuff that Robert was saying is that. We can get caught up. Is, did I do something wrong? And is the enemy getting me? And have I failed to pray enough? And did, should I have fasted more? And, and, and when really we should get into thinking, what's the opportunity and what's the lesson in what I'm going through? There's an opportunity in it. There's a lesson in it. There's a gymnasium stretching in it. And our conviction, my conviction is that... Um, God does not send sickness to teach us a lesson. Mm. Mm. That Jesus didn't go around saying um, to sickness as well, I'm not going to heal that sickness because there's a lesson in it. Um, and yet at the same time, there's a redemptive lesson in it. Sickness does not come from God. Sickness is an enemy. Sickness is something that came in through the fall. And Jesus came to some conquer sickness and he came to conquer death. Jesus is absolutely opposed to sickness. Like Paul Manwaring, who one of the leaders in Bethel said when he was diagnosed with cancer, said, um, God didn't give me cancer to, give, to, to teach me a lesson. He no. sent Jesus to teach cancer a lesson. Yeah. And so, and yet in the gap between um, um, healing, in the moment we're saying, actually, today's a good day for a miracle, there's an opportunity, a redemptive opportunity for God to train us and form contentment within us. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, I don't want you to be unaware of what we suffered in the province of Asia. He said, it was so hard and so challenging, we despaired even of our very lives. Some people say that the pressure was so great on him that he even felt suicidal. He said, we felt the sentence of God, or the sentence sentence of death. And he said, but this happened so that we would not depend on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Mm. On God who raises the dead. And he has raised us up, he says, and he will go on raising us up. And that's one of the ways that we can be persistent and consistent and resistant in 2018 through contentment is recognising that everything we face, both the good and the bad and the ugly and the delay and the success, everything we face is an opportunity to learn contentment, is an opportunity to go to God's gymnasium and be grown in this gift of contentment. And so that's one of the first things of the school of growing in contentment is saying, I will have this perspective. This will be the way I will see life. This will be the way I see circumstances. I will believe Romans 8.28, that God uses nothing and he, he, he wastes nothing and he uses everything to get us ready. That God does work all things together for good. That's his promise. Amen. And that yeah. James 1 says, consider it all joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials of various kinds, because you know 
that the testing of your faith is that you know it's going to do something. And then it goes on to say that you might be perfect, lacking nothing. And again, if we were to say, have a ministry time for lacking nothing, we'd all rush forward. Please pray for me. I want to lack nothing. I want perfect confidence in God. I want perfect faith. I want perfect trust. And James would say, well, the way you get that is you, you, you consider it pure joy when you face trials of various kinds. Because you know that God is upgrading your capacity to believe. That God is doing something in the midst of it. And I think we all like upgrades. We all like the moments of upgrade. Um, the, Graham Cook says, you know, we, the way we should uh, treat trials is like this. When we face things, we should ring a friend and say, Look here, you won't believe my luck today. I've got a trial. You won't believe it. I'm facing something I don't know what to do about. I need supernatural intervention and breakthrough. And your friend's going to go, Lucky you. You've got a trial. Oh, don't make me jealous. I wish I was you and I had a trial like you've got. So I've got a, a, a a thing on my phone called Upgrades. I've got 600 and something upgrades in the last three years by looking at every difficulty, every challenge and asking, what are you upgrading in me right now, Father? What's the opportunity I have right now to grow through this? And sometimes there's a delay between me asking the question and writing it in the app. You know, sometimes there's been, honestly, there's been some worrying out loud and there's been some prayer times that were called, would be more described as moaning times. And sometimes those, <laughs> and sometimes they've gone on a long time until I've heard him say, Jamie, I'm doing this right now. I'm working in you right now in this area. And so Paul knew that God wastes nothing and uses everything. Count it pure joy. I mentioned this before Christmas, Lieutenant Stockdale a lieutenant in the US Army, um, was captured in the Vietnam War and taken to Hanoi Prison, where he was there for eight years. He was tortured 20 times in eight years. Um, He was told he could not communicate to anybody in any of the other cells. And this is what Lieutenant Stockdale said. This is how he spoke to himself while he was in his cell in this Hanoi jail. He said... I will prevail in the end. And this experience will turn into the defining event of my life, which in retrospect, I would not trail. Uh, I, would not, um, ex- I would not trade. I will prevail in the end. This experience will be the defining event of my life, which in retrospect, I would not trade. Whatever you're facing now, imagine you've just been able to say, I will prevail. Right in the middle of it. Right in the middle of it. Right in the moment when you have no idea how it's going to work out and what's going to happen and how God's going to intervene and how his supernatural power is going to be manifest. Stockdale had no idea of how long it was going to take. He just said, I will prevail. And this situation of being in a Vietnamese jail in Hanoi where I'm being tortured will turn out to be the defining moment of my life. And it was the defining moment of his life. It did turn him around and totally change him. God wastes nothing and uses everything. And the second lesson then is this. 
we are not made content or satisfied this year by having stuff or getting gifts or things working out or progressing better or performing better. That Paul, Paul says, essentially, I'm really grateful that you remembered me. I'm really thankful for your gift. I'm really grateful for your fellowship. I'm really grateful for your community. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learnt in whatever situation I am to be content. In other words, Paul is saying, I had genuine needs. I had genuine need of support, of, of provision. I'm so grateful, Philippians, that you have remembered. I'm so grateful that your gift has come. But I don't want you to think that I was somehow in an emotionally desperate state. My mind was already at ease because I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. That's an incredible thing that Paul is in this state and he's, he's not waiting for a provision to make him happy. He's already happy in God. And yet at the same time he says, you know what, I'm so grateful that you remembered me. I'm so grateful for your provision. So he's not like this island all on his own. He needs people, he loves people, he rejoices at them remembering. But he's not having some internal need met through their generosity. So I guess for so many of us we can postpone contentment until we can say... Oh, in 2018, I will be content when? I will be content when this happens, or that happens, or there's this breakthrough, or this provision. We, we sometimes suffer from destination disease. I will be content when I reach X, Y, and Z. And you can kind of fill in the blanks. And Paul says, no, I don't need to reach X, Y, and Z to be content. I'm already at ease right now. I've learned the secret, but I really enjoy X, Y, and Z. <laughs> I love it when I abound, but you know what? I can cope when I've not got a lot or I've got nothing. It's a supernatural, incredible capacity. And lesson three. He's not content through self-sufficiency, but because of relationship. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And sometimes... We can take that and say all things like I, I could become a, a world class basketball player <laughs> because I can do all things. Well, actually, I'm a bit too old, really, and not that great at it. He's saying I can do all things. What are the all things? Well, I can be content in all circumstances. I think that's the context of it. I can be content. I can be this kind of o- overcomer. I can be consistent. I can be resistant. I can, I can persist and, con- and, and resist and pulling away because I've found God who's my sufficiency. I know the one who makes me who I am. And he's saying it's God's strength first in me. It's God's strength first in me and then it's God's strength through me. He's not saying, I'm just really stoical or I'm just really disciplined. He's connected to Christ who strengthens him and makes him able to do all things. So, again, I was listening to this lady speaking about, she said, 
it was essentially it was a TED talk, and she was describing fourteen things that she would that she would teach the younger generation. Fourteen things that she'd learned in her life, and one of them was this: my Swiss cheese soul cannot be filled from the outside in. It can only be filled from the inside, and then it can out. You know that Swiss cheese with all. I actually love it. I don't. It's really lots of holes in it. You see it in cartoons. You know the mouse goes after the Swiss cheese, and uh, Paul would say, you know, I've learned that secret that I can't be content, made content from something outside. It's got to be inside. I know the one who makes me content. Because of him in me, because of him satisfying me, because of him filling my soul, nothing can hinder me, nothing can block me from contentment. That he would say it's not about having the right resources or the right opportunities or the right provision. It's not about having the right opinions. He'd say, no, there's something happened through my union with Christ. That means even when I'm in a prison cell and restricted, I'm still connected to the source of all joy, all life, all peace. He said, if you want to know I can do all things, it's through him who strengthens me. That's how I've got the capacity to face everything and be an overcomer. You want to know my secret ultimately? Yeah, I've been taught some lessons through God's gymnasium and God's school. But I only got through that because of him in me who strengthens me. Yeah, I learned to not look for a destination in order to be successful. And I learned that my Swiss cheese soul can't be filled from the outside in. But do you know how I learned that? I learned it through Christ who strengthens me. I learned it because he's in me. I learned it because he looks out for me and looks after me. Psalm 1.3 says, We are like trees planted by streams of water. It's planted, not a wild tree, you know, that randomly grows up in a garden. We are trees planted by streams of water. We have lovingly been planted by the Father into a place where there are streams of water. Streams of water speaks of the Holy Spirit and the resources that's found in Him. Streams of water, that that they can't dry up. It's more than one stream. And we've been planted into a place of wonderful, gracious, kind abundance from God that we can put our roots down into God. And so Paul says, nothing can make me dry out because I'm a tree planted. Success can't distract me from him because I'm a tree planted. I'm putting my roots into Christ. Yes. You know, he's not distracted by a breakthrough thinking it was all him. Delay can't distract him from his source. His eyes are fixed on the source of his strength. Christ who strengthens me. And he says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that now you, at length, you have revived your concerns for me. Everything's an opportunity for Paul to say thank you. Everything's an opportunity for Paul to rejoice. Everything's an opportunity for Paul to appreciate. Everything's an opportunity for Paul to put his roots deeper into Christ and draw deeper on the one who strengthens him and gives him the capacity to all things. And so when he's going through hardship and difficulty and challenge, he says, right, I'm going to put my roots deeper into Christ. I'm going to draw from the sustenance of who he is in me. And when he's going through success and his breakthrough and churches are being planted and, and the gospel's going forward, he says, I will not let that distract me from him. I'll rejoice in that and put my roots deeply into him. And so even when the Philippians have no opportunity to give him a gift, 
he doesn't become suspicious of them and critical of them and says, oh you, you forget me so quickly. In his lack, he says, no, I'm going to put my roots into Christ and use even the opportunity of lack to be a reason to press into him more. And when they remember, he rejoices that at last you've had the opportunity to remember me. <coughs> Paul's eyes are fixed on the one who gives him strength to face all things. I love what Robert was saying. It wasn't about what he did. It wasn't about their strength and resolve. It was about Christ and who Christ is and was in them and through them. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And as we look into this year, we say, I, I want to be content in him. See, Colonel Stockdale, or Lieutenant Stock, Stockdale, he, he said there were other people around. And these other people he called optimists. And they were the people who said, we're in this prison in Hanoi in Vietnam, and by Easter we'll be out. And then Easter came and went and they still weren't out. And he said, don't worry, by Thanksgiving we'll be out. And Thanksgiving came and Thanksgiving went. Don't worry, by Christmas we'll be home. Christmas came and Christmas went and they weren't home. Then they said, next Christmas we'll be out. And they still weren't. And he said, do you know what? Those men died of a broken heart. Because they put their heads in the sand and they refused to look at the brutal facts and face the reality that maybe we won't be out by Christmas. And maybe we're going to be tortured a few more times before. But the guys who prevailed were those who said, I will prevail in the end. This experience will turn into the defining event of my life, which in retrospect I would not trade. So I would say this, we have to hold these two amazing, wonderful things in tension. We believe for today the miraculous breakthrough provision of God. Today is a good day for a miracle. Why not today? Why not now? Why not this moment? But, if it doesn't happen, I will prevail. And I will believe him to work it together for good. And I will believe that this will be the defining moment of my life. And that in the end, I won't regret it, I won't trade it for anything. Because I'm in his school. And he's doing something in me right now. He's training me. He's causing my roots to go deep deep down into Christ, into the rivers, into the streams that are around me. And yet at the same time, I'm believing for a miracle now. I'm believing it can be today. I believe it can all change in a moment. I want to hold, that's just, that's a perspective to get through. There are other things, times where we've just got a gift of faith. Where we know, because we know, because we know, because we know. Yeah? And we just know, and sometimes we know it's going to be then. And we know he's promised a time, a date. We've got a sense of faith for it. 
but as also general living with a general hope of his goodness is coming. His goodness is here. I'm hoping, I'm living with expectancy, his goodness will come. It's the difference between um, entitlement and trusting in a good, good father. Entitlement is, you have to do it my way, when I say, the way I say, and you know what, I'm a much better God than you are. (laughs) Faith is, I trust that you're good, I trust that you love me, and in the things I don't understand, I know you're working it together for my good. Today I choose to Mm. trust you. And that's how we walk through, with expectation for breakthrough, provision, supernatural and at the same time not holding him hostage to entitlement saying if you don't do it this way then I'm walking away or I'm disappointed or I'm going to let discouragement or disappointment take root. He's going to ask us to stand.